the way I've also tried to reach out to people is to start at the grassroots. So going into schools, talking to youth about disability, how people with disability just want to be treated like anybody else, you know. And if you see someone of indifference, don't discriminate against them. Don't belittle them. If you think that there's something that you need to know, ask them the question. Welcome to Ask the Pros, where I do my very best to unpack actionable, valuable insights and with the goal of helping you live your dream life. I sit down with top entrepreneurs, professionals, making a difference around the globe so they can tell their stories. In doing so, I aim to inspire and motivate other people that may be struggling or looking for a new spark around their personal life or career path. Welcome to Ask the Pros, um, where we talk to professionals, entrepreneurs, and people making a difference around the globe. The whole aim is for them to come on the show, tell their story, you know, hopefully to inspire and motivate someone out there. You know, we can only tell our stories the best way we can. You know, it's your story. So, you know, whichever way you choose to say it, you know, hopefully someone out there gets motivated and inspired. Before I start, you know, I'll just take a quote from the Metro, you know, which says, the boy who grew up being called voiceless is now using his voice to change the lives of people who need encouragement to stand up and use their to fight for their rights. On this occasion, I welcome Nana Seed Manfo to Ask the Pros. Welcome to Ask the Pros. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, that's good, Nana. To kick things off, how did it all start for you, in your own words? Um, <laughs> it all started with me being born um, six months premature. Um, born with a small airway. Uh, I think at the time, my parents didn't know that there were complications. Uh, the doctors noticed there was something wrong with my breathing. And not even just that. I um, I was less than a bag of sugar. So I was very tired. So six months premature. In all circumstances, I should have survived. So yeah, my journey started from birth. It's how it all began. Fast forward that, you know, when you found out that, you know, you couldn't really, you know, speak speak properly, you know, among your, your peers, you know, among your friends, you know, how did that make you feel? I think it was more frustration. You know, being around your peers and not being able to voice your opinions or to be noticed or your existence to be taken seriously, um, over time it built up into frustration, which which I lashed out in various ways, you know, getting into fights and just trying to grab attention from whoever would listen, really, or accept me for who I was. And I guess there was there was loads of frustration f- for you to express yourself and and trying to fit in, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a mess. It was a it was a curveball because obviously growing up till about the age of six, seven when I realized I had to go into hospital a lot more than other kids. Uh in school I had to be taken indoors during the winter periods. Uh I spoke different. I had a tube in my neck. Yeah. Uh, it was a realization from that tender age. Being born with a with a respiratory condition, 
probably has put you at a disadvantage. When did you start to see yourself that you can achieve whatever you want? It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not me. It's not me seeing. It's my mother not allowing me to, or didn't allow me to slack off. Didn't allow me to fold, fold and think I was useless or hopeless. To her, she didn't. She didn't see uh, impairment. She didn't see someone that needed to be pitied. She saw a child who could go up against his peers and do exactly what they could do. Maybe with a little bit of adjustments, alterations, but never did she see it as a disadvantage. Well said, well said. If you could just take us through a journey whereby, you know, when, when you realize, okay, all this is happening, you know, was, was there a point where she said, you know, I wasn't doing this again or she, or she was strong and she just kept carrying on? It was a double-edged sword, as in my mother wanted to live life and carry on. My father didn't quite understand the whole dynamics of being of a, or having a child that has a disability. The whole uh, ideology of an African man, a typical African man, uh, you know, your child has to be strong. Your child can't have any deformities. I'm the man of the house and I need to be seen as a strong focal point. So it was a double-edged sword. I was, I was fighting between two parents. One parent that understood and the other parent that understood but understood the limitations. So it was it, 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 it was a battle in itself. You know, I'm, I'm not saying he didn't, he didn't look after me as a child or he didn't do the necessities as a father. He did it, but at the same time, he was battling his own demons. Sorry to hear all this. You know, I know it must it must have been really, really devastating and difficult for your parents. You know, going to school. You know, what was that like? Going to school was, was good. Obviously, nursery. You, you don't know no different. Uh, nursery. Everyone's same. It's when I got to primary school. That's when I realized that I had something wrong. That's when the kids were. You know, kids are kids very frank, very to the point, don't mince their words and don't and sometimes say stuff that don't mean to offend, but they're just being honest as children are. Uh, so that's when the name calling started. That's when the little bit of bullying started. Uh, and primary school is where I started to get into fights. Um, so yeah, <laughs> my life of primary school was was good and bad. I got expelled quite a few times. Wow, what were the things you did that got you expelled? Kicking someone in their leg and making them bleed. Getting so angry that I was going to a fight, I didn't realize the teacher was standing there and I could only hit the teacher. Uh, yeah, to name a few. Did you learn your lessons after that? Not really. Uh, I was still lashed out because I just didn't understand why people were treating me different. Um, I guess my thing is I wanted to fit in. You know, in the in the nineties, I wanted to be cool, and people who are close to my age, who I think would understand, or, or you know, if they didn't understand, you know, just just treat me normal. I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that warmth. I didn't get that acknowledgement. And I think the only way I could be heard was if I got into fights, which wasn't the ideal way. But disability and you know, inclusion, diversity, all those things. In the 90s, England, those things didn't exist. 
So kids got away with murder. The educational system at the time didn't understand that. Even for me to even get into mainstream school, before all that happened, was a nightmare. Because I was seen as a person with a disability and disabled people, they are put in a special educational needs system. So it doesn't matter if my intellect was of 70% or 75% or 80%, they didn't care. As far as I had a disability or an indifference, I needed to be put through into the special needs education system, which I must admit, they regretted after they put me there. They put me there for one day. My mom warned them, you know, when they put me there, that there was nothing wrong with my intellect. I, I can, you know, fight against intellectually with my peers and study. So they put me in a special needs school. And as you can know, uh, no disrespect to people who went there and people whose children are out there to, in that system today. That kind of system, they don't teach you. You just go there. It's like a summer camp. You're just there. GCSEs, all these kind of things, you're not taking part. Because as far as they're concerned, your intellect isn't isn't of a level for you to process and do normal day things. So you're there doing drawing, colouring, you know, stuff you do in nursery. Anyway, long story short, I got taken there. And a lot of the kids there were immobile. So they... Some of them couldn't walk, some couldn't talk, some of them were paralyzed from the waist down. And imagine taking a child who is energetic into a place where the kids are just in wheelchairs staring at you. Ended up dragging one, one child out of his wheelchair and just dragging him on the floor. Because as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> the mind of a child, I'm like, why are you not playing with me? Furthermore, why are you not talking to me? Why are you so quiet? You know, it didn't occur to me as a child that this person had cerebral palsy yeah. or there was something else wrong with them. All I cared about as a child at that age is, why are you sitting in that wheelchair? I, I don't get it, you know? So they rang my mom and said, no, they can't keep me there <laughs> because I'm dragging the people around. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very boisterous. <laughs> And my mom was like, I, to I told you there's nothing wrong with his brain. You should have put him in a mainstream school. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was a journey in itself. <laughs> yeah. But, but did you did you go to university at, at any point? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. What was uni like compared to, you know, like, let's say, primary school, secondary school? I was how was uni like? Did people treat you differently in uni? Uni, I went, I went with my friends. A lot of the uh, friends that I went to college with. So, I went you can tell people looked at me differently, but back then people were not bold enough to ask the question. If if they were going to talk about me, it would be behind my back and someone, the third party would tell me what was said. But uh, you could see still there was a lack of knowledge and there, there was lack of respect for people with disability. You know, um, I don't think things changed or things you know were good in the time I was in uni and we're talking what 
2003. Wow, that was that was 2003, and and you and you couldn't see the difference between you know like the difference between how they treated people, how they treated people in, in in terms of provisions for people with disabilities. So there was no difference. No, there wasn't, because even for me to even be noticed as a disabled person, I had to tell the university, and it's like the university on to how to support me. So I had to guide them through. Um, yeah, disability, disability wasn't a big agenda when I was going to uni. You were left to your own devices, you know. Uh, I don't know if it was a racial racial um, barrier, maybe because I was black. I'm not sure. But I know I had to put my foot down at some point and make them aware that, look, I have a barrier. I'm not asking for it's for reasonable adjustments, a reasonable place to live because I lived outside of London. Yeah. And I had to, you know, put my foot down and guide them through, you know, whether that was the ignorance of the individual I dealt with, I dealt with who knows. Now, do you, do you think people with disability, you know, have the necessary support and policies that will improve their lives? <laughs> We're still trying to get blood out of stone. <laughs> so <laughs> think things have improved to a degree uh you know give credit where credit is due um but at the same time i think the mere structure of a person with a disability lives uh is not understood um even in the workplace employers don't fully get to grips with how a person with disability needs to be supported. You know, if disability doesn't know their own rights, then it's, it's you know, it's gone with the wind. You know, that person loses out of me because they're not bold enough to speak up for themselves. So there's improvements from when I was growing up, but they've only moved a dial. They haven't moved oh, centimetres or millimetres, no. We've not moved, even though, you know, the propaganda of the media will make you think disabled people are loved and everything is hunky-dory. I can only talk from what I see and what I've been through in my life. So what about what about policies? Are, are there policies to guide people with disability? Policies are in place, but it's writing on the wall. A lot of people with disability don't know the law. So therefore, people or, you know, these government officials manipulate the community, manipulate society and making you think they're helping us, but they're not. I haven't said that, you know, how's your day to day like, you know, what difficulties do you face on a daily basis? Day to day, right. So you can get up, go another shower, put on your work clothes and go to work. That's your routine. Yeah. My routine is get up, go to my trachea's to me box take out my dressing, sterilize my wound, sterilize the tube. If the tube needs changing, I will change the tube. And that's that's all before I, before I can even think about having a shower. I also have to make sure my, my air passage is always clear during the day. Uh, so it, that means I need to use the toilet or special specialized disabled toilet more frequent just to make sure my airway is clean. And the wound doesn't have any bodily or bodily fluids. You know, everything's cleaned. 
Do you have to go for like regular checkups at the hospital? Yes. Yes, I do. Yearly, yearly checkups. Okay. Just to make sure the airway is safe. The airway hasn't re-shrunk. Back to the issue with, you know, the policies, you know, and all that. But what, what about the local, the local council? What, what are they doing about, about enforcing these policies and rules that the government has laid down to guide people with disability? They can only do such. The laws are infiltrated for them, for them to run with. Local authority don't really have that much of a say. Central government make the laws, the laws are passed down, and the local authority use the laws according to what it says on the white paper. So unless a disabled activist or someone with disability is affected by something where they do a campaign and it brings change to many, I don't think a lot of the problems are working. I don't think disabled people are consulted enough. I've never been consulted on something to do with disability. They may say that they roll out a, 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 a consultation. I'm a disabled person. I've never received a consultation from the government to say, Nana, have a do you think it will work uh, as, as a common man or a working class man? Do you think this will impact or improve your life? The only time I would see a politician is when they want my vote, which to me doesn't make, it doesn't really give me give me confidence. So I know you're you're all about you know equal opportunities, you know, and and growing up, you know, uni, you know, and to your work life, you've you've learnt you learnt to be of, you know, let's say a bit of the policies and the rules surrounding people with disabilities. How have you used your voice to help? you know, other people with disability? Give people confidence and have enforced that people with disabilities learn their own rights. You know, the only way you're going to manoeuvre in this social diaspora is to understand the rights as a disabled person. What are you entitled to? For so long, people with disability have been have been sidelined or, you know, put aside. It wasn't too long ago, back in the the Hebrew days, disability, people with dis- disabilities were put into a pit. No one really bothered with disabled people. I've also tried to reach out to people is to start at the grassroots. So going into schools, talking to youth about disability, how people with disability just want to be treated like anybody else, you know. And if you see someone of indifference, don't discriminate against them. Don't belittle them. If you think that there's something that you need to know, ask them the question. You know, so it's 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 more of me getting people to have the conversation with people with disability. And not just that, I mean my day-to-day job, I assist and help people with disabilities, they're legging to the labor market. You know, a lot of people with disability are out of employment. We're looking at forty-six percent, which is quite poor compared to an able-bodied person and the able-bodied um, figure is 80% for people in work. So for me, it all stems from open dialogue, understanding your rights as a person with disability and knowing your worth. Well said. So you mentioned, you know, your your day job. Where, where do you work at the moment now? Um, so 
I work for a local authority uh, in South London. Okay. Um, my role is that of an enablement employment support officer. So it's a, it's a mouthful. Okay. Uh, what it basically means is I am the bridge between a person with a disability and an employer. Employers don't tend to understand assisting people with disability. Um, there's a lot of gray areas within the recruitment process, application process, and even the interview process. So it's my job to guide that person with a disability through the application process, through the interview process, and also making sure that once that individual with disability is employed, there is a health and safety and safeguarding assessment done to understand the reasonable adjustments that will be needed to assist that person to sustain and pass probation in a workplace and become a fully pledged member of society. How does that make you feel, you know, being able to speak for others? How does it make, how does it make you feel? I always get asked this question. <laughs> um, it, 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 it's, not a thing, it's not a feeling. I think I'm, 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 I'm doing what I'm passionate about. And it's, to me, it makes me feel I'm helping people not all in the same um, four pits that I did. I never had someone assisting me. I had to do everything myself. I had to learn employment law myself. I had to get myself employment without support. So if I can help someone who can't help themselves, it's an achievement. Growing up voiceless, you know, and and having to like, you know, f- let's say, you know, fight for your rights in the society, you know, uh-huh. did that have uh-huh. any impact on your mental health? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mood swings, taking it out on family, taking it out on, you know, nearest and dearest. Yeah, it was mental torture because I used to work in a corporate industry for 10 years. That corporate industry never understood how to support people with disability. So it was always a battle, always trying to find law, always trying to, you know, manage's way of supporting me. It, it was just mental torture. And for 10 years, you can only go, go through something for so long before it starts to impact other parts of your health. So... Oh yeah, it, it, can I can I say it led to depression slightly? Yes. Wow, no, no. sorry to hear, sorry to hear that. You know, and I'm, I'm I'm sure you have gone through gone through a lot of horrible times. You know, now shifting to the area of you know claiming benefits and and getting getting what you what you're entitled to as it as as a person with a disability. How easy is it to to claim you know the benefit that you rightly deserve? being someone with disability i'm seen as able i'm seen as yes we can physically see you've got a disability but no you don't qualify for benefit and this is all down to this allowance changing to pip which is personal independent payment and it marginalizes people like myself because obviously the government wants to cut down costs. So when it comes to who needs the support, who clearly has an indifference, because I can talk, because I can walk, I'm seen as 
less of a priority. Um, so it's 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 been difficult. And as I'm speaking now, I'm not on any benefit, even though. Re- wow. So you so as you're speaking right now, you're not you're not any form of benefit. I haven't been on benefit since twenty. 2016. I haven't been on. I haven't been on any disability benefit. So no. they took me off. They took. They took. They took my freedom pass away. They took my blue badge away. Yeah, everything I was entitled to, they took it away. Wow. So no. No DLA. No disability living allowance. Nothing. Nothing. Nada. Did you try to you know fight that in, in you know in, in, in court? At the time that was happening, I was going through you know some appeal processes at work and it was it was it was it was too much at the time um however um because i'm i've now been elected as a commissioner for my local borough lucian council okay um i i plan to go forward and reapply and see what happens and if it doesn't work in my favor then I will start to pull the stops and see where that leads with a more prominent voice. Wow, that's as um that's not that's not nice to hear. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. I can just I can just imagine can just imagine how you feel about that. You know, and I know you've and I know you've worked in the in the in the public sector, you know, for a while, you know, and and you've 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 done you've also worked in in some few high places, you know. Whilst yeah. we were working in in all these places, you know, were there were there any any difficulties, challenges, you know, and if they were, you know, how did you overcome them? Difficulties, I would say, employer the employer understanding I was a disabled person. Uh, we ended up in a tribunal because apparently they couldn't see me as disabled, even though at the time I used a double tick system to gain employment. Uh, so that was a that was an in and out court court um, appearance because I didn't understand how I'd been employed, but yet. They didn't deem me disabled, but I went through the process as a disabled person. Um, so that dampened my spirits on, you know, my faith in the organization. And managers who were just lacked the human touch of actually managing staff members with disability. Um, and some of the corporate employees that I worked for made you feel that you owe them a detriment because you're disabled and you should be grateful. So that's how it came across to me. Uh, I think after nine years of being in that sector, in my 10th year, I snapped. And that's where I started to do Facebook Lives. I started to talk about disability. I started to talk about my own experiences as a public servant I started to talk about how certain rules and regulations and policies were not in favor of someone with a disability or even if I was listened to I wasn't seen as an individual it was a 
one call fits all kind of regime. Um, you know, and it, it, to me, it wasn't fair because everybody suffers with their disability differently and it needs to be looked on on a case by case rather than right we're a public sector organization we've given you program that's what you're going to have that's all you're having you should be grateful you know now i can understand why there was a less percentage of disabled people in work and i can understand why a lot of people with disability end up leaving the workplace because they're not understood and it's all down to communication and how organizations cover themselves and rather than support you they walk you out the door you know even if you come into the organization with a pre-existing uh, condition knowing that certain periods of the year you're going to be sick they don't make the reasonable uh, adjustments that they have to because they don't want to because it's a funding factor. Fair enough, some people may have taken the mick with their disability and with the company, but there are genuine people out there who need that support. Absolutely. So for me, working in that industry opened my eyes that employers need a whole of a lot of education. Individuals who work for these organizations need training managers need mandatory training because managers are the they're the olive branch and at the same time they're they're the stick that breaks the camel's back for that individual with a disability because it depends on whether they're a good manager for for that person to have a long lasting career or whether they're a manager who just don't give a damn and then that person with a disability are they charities that help people with disability? When you say help people with disability, what else? Yeah, when I when I mean help, like you know, they they, they like like the way you vocal you vocal for 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 people people with disability. You know, are they charities that yeah. that that on the same course with, with you, like like what you do as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a company called Appa, uh, Appa Me, based in Lucian, and they focus purely on supporting people in the workplace. And they are vocal on how people without support, people with disabilities won't be in a place. Disability comes on all levels, anxiety, mental health, cerebral palsy, vision impairment, uh, ear impairment. And without, sometimes support isn't just about software, a comfortable chair, a comfortable leg rest, uh, some software on your computer, Sometimes that human body to assist you to do your job or to do it to the caliber of your peers works treats or works wonders. And it determines whether that person is going to excel and enjoy their job or whether they're going to deplete, be reserved, be dampened and leave the job. So so that organization is doing a lot. There are various organizations like Mencap, uh, Remploy, okay. uh, Scope. Uh, there's various companies around England that are doing their bit. Um, but I think in order for one massive company, just all come together. All, we're all singing the same tune. You know, as they say, um, divided we fall. Un- um, united, 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 we, united we stand, divided we fall. 
United with Sandy Valerie Four. There you go. For me, it's mind-boggling that everybody's, you know, opening up charities and saying, I stand for disability. I stand for this. But we're all singing the same track. We're all singing the same to the same beat. You know, I just think we all need to come together as one big happy family, if we can be, and address situations within society. Uh, but the industry is, um, is saturated. It's a minefield of competition amongst ourselves, which is tears apart because we can in society. We just need to be one solid voice. Rightly said. So what, what has been your greatest barrier so far, you know, coming to where you are right now from, from being born with your condition and now, now, now working in with an organization, what has been your greatest barrier so far? I think my greatest barrier is is having a parent that asked the doctor to kill me. That's been my barrier. Wow. That's been something I've 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 wrestled with for a long time. Um, I mean, now I'm okay. I've got over it. I've addressed the parent. I can see it's not the only way I can get over it is by saying it's not their fault. It's their lack of education and understanding and taking the time to be humane about the circumstances that they were presented with. So that's that that that's been my that's been my mind wrestle so for many years. Where's your mom and where's your dad now? Uh my mother lives here. My father lives back home in Ghana. Going going back to Ghana, you know, when was the last time you went you went to visit Ghana? Uh twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. And and how was the how was the, how was the reception? How did they how how, how did they welcome you? They hadn't seen me in over 10 years, so you can imagine they were fussing around me. I used to live there as a child, so I used to live there from age 10 to my 15th birthday. Okay. And obviously, due, due to circumstances of my health deteriorating, I had to come back to the UK. Okay, Nana. So, let's get it more exciting now, you know, Nana. So... When Nana is not working, Nana is not, you know, fighting, fighting the local authorities and trying to speak for people, you know. What gets Nana happy, you know? What do you do for fun, Nana? I'm chill with the boys, go clubbing. Well, I'm trying to cut down that bit old for Nana. Because when I was in uni, I abused the clubbing scene. So as I've got older, it's, it's the same old music. It's just, you know, it gets, it gets a bit boring. Mainly go to bars, sometimes spa weekends if I can. Uh, trying, to, trying to get on the healthy regime so the gym relax the mind and relax the body and soul. Drive around. Okay, cool, cool, Nana. That's, that, that's good. So so what what motivates you, Nana? Injustice. Okay. Seeing that some, someone's been treated wrong. Or someone isn't being given something they're entitled to. I just wanna, I, I just wanna open an honest world. I know that's that's never gonna be the case, but if we can make it as honest as we can, you know, the world will will, will, will move a bit more, you know, one step forward instead of two steps back. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, having said that, Nana, what are what what are your f- future aspirations and goals? Future aspirations is to turn my vision onto Africa. Africa is becoming a 
focal point and a visionary for other third world countries. Not so long ago, Afro 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 Beats was taken to Afro Nation, an event celebrating blackness, celebrating excellence in Africa, uh, as taken storm. Uh, I want to re- replicate that, but for disabled people. So start off by going to Ghana and celebrating disabled people, recognizing that they can be infused in society recognizing that they can work instead of being on the roadsides begging for money uh it's just changing the lifestyle and the perception and being disabled and thinking it's the work of the devil in africa um so making this making disabled people proud to be who they are okay Nana, well said absolutely uh, so now if you if you were to say something to your younger self to a younger nana you know what would you tell a younger nana I would uh, I would tell my young not hold anything in, speak up, you know. Um I I, I I held a lot of stuff in as a child. Or should I say it was taboo for a child to talk out when I was growing up at my tender age. So I would tell my younger self to speak your mind, be yourself, don't give a damn about anybody saying you're indifferent and just be happy. That's good, well said. You know, so what would you want people to take from this interview? You know, because some some might be listening to you now, you know, and listening to your story, your journey, you know, and you know, want to probably find some form of comfort. You know, what would be your take on this for them? You know, someone that is out there that wants to be motivated by your story, by your journey. You know, what would be your word to them? It's never too late to have a voice. It's never too late to you know find what drives you. Find what motivates you to, to, you know, put your stamp on society and to leave an everlasting legacy, something positive, you know. Never let someone pull you down. Never let your physical appearance determine how you behave or how you conduct yourself or how you, you know, put yourself against your peers. Live a fruitful life. Live a life of hope and always be willing to help people. Or never think you're better than someone. And if you have a disability, disability is not the end goal and the beginning of your life. Rather, it's an alternative way of living. And once you learn to accept that disability is not a hindrance, it's not the work of the devil, it's not, you know, um, a curse that your parents got because they've done something in their past life, just live your life. Remember to help others. Do you know that you know you you also have to you know love your neighbor as yourself. You know, like the Bible says, you know, and um, also have that empathy and love for others as well. And you know, and you, you're doing a you're doing you're doing a wonderful job, Nana. You know, trying to speak up for people that don't have a voice. You know, and that that's yeah. why that that's why your 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 nickname is Mister Unique Voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what you know you know when i when i when i saw you when i saw your interview on on linked on linkedin you know i i was listening to you and the next thing i, I said let me, let me check the name of this guy speaking and i and i saw nana the next thing i from your name was mr unique voice i was like oh my god wow that's <laughs> that was some, that was some that was some like interesting thing i was like okay mr unique voice you know, and, and I and I go and, and I go and, and I go hooked up to you. I said, you know what, well, I'm gonna reach out to you and try and get you on the podcast, you know, and um 
and you oh, know yeah. no no it's, it's it's been nice well um just last thing i want to touch you know like if you were to meet the prime minister today or meet you know someone of high authority you know, and and you were given a chance to to just say something that would you know probably help people with disability or make them change the laws or the policies you know what what would that thing be it would be looking at ways in which employers can fully incorporate people with disability in the workplace. I know they're doing it, but it's, it's kind of a soft-touch approach. Uh, I still think employers have a long way to go. And I think if I was to meet the Prime Minister today, I would ask if they could do kind of like an Ofsted-style audit on how disabled people are treated in the workplace you know because i think it will it will wake up a lot of employers whether it's private public uh self-employed it will it will wake them up to start treating people with disability with that bit more of respect and you know the variety of reasonable adjustments will be taken more serious and just making disability training mandatory for management, mandatory for the whole organization, not just management. Because now disability is not mandatory. Managers go if they want to. You know, when I used to work in one organization, I heard a manager say, Oh, it's not mandatory, I don't have to go. But they had six disabled people in the team and they didn't have a clue of how to empathize how to talk to a person with a disability, but yet you're not going to the training provided because it's, you're not mandated to. So mandating disability training in the workplace, looking at other approaches of how employers can really understand the person with disability on a case-by-case basis and just opening the floodgates of the labour market for disabled people. And that was here, like that. Um, I know there was one time you were nominated for the National Diversity Award, you know, and you know, unfortunately, you didn't win, you know. But how how did that how did that boost your confidence? Oh wow, that um, that kind of threw me into the spotlight. That really gave me a platform from far and wide. It enabled me to get onto the BBC, ITV, Channel Five, uh, Jeremy Vine show. Um, wow, it was amazing. That's, that's all I can say. So, so I, I could I could rightly say that I'm speaking to Nana, Mr. Unique Voice, the celebrity right now, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't would say I'm a celebrity. I'm just doing what I love. I'm being noticed by it. <laughs> yeah, but but you 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 never you never know, Nana, because that that's you're that's a celebrity right there for me. Like you know, before you know that you 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 probably getting or getting the medal from the coin. You never know. You never know. Never say never. You never you never know. This is what I was telling my sister uh, two days ago because she she messaged me. She was like, oh. She doesn't even call me my name anymore. She calls me Mr. Famous. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not famous. She's like, no, 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 no. You on the Jeremy Vine show the other morning. Yeah, the phone calls my mom was getting saying I'm on TV. And I was like, listen, I'm just doing, I'm doing what, what God's intention is for me. Wow. It's, nat- it's natural what I'm doing. It's not... It's not something unique. I've not gone to school to study 
You know, I've not spent years like a doctor, you know, 10, 15 years in a lab playing around with medicine. No, it's something that we all have to aspire to be. You see something going wrong. Don't wait for the government to get involved. Don't wait for local authority to sit down and write a consultation paper to sort it. If you can sort it, do it, you know, and that's all I'm doing. Mm. I've seen a problem. I want to fix it. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, and you and you and you're doing it. You're doing it very well, you know. And to and to add to that, you know, there's there's power in giving because right now you're 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 giving yourself to help other people. So in turn, that 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 giving, you know, def- definitely comes back to you, doesn't it? It it does, but I'm not looking at receiving. No. I give. Uh, if people want, if if go on. No, 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 you don't, you don't, like, I, I understand, you don't, you don't give to receive, but it just, for me, it, it just, that's just the basic principle of life, one of the basics, you know, like, you know, you give, you know, yeah. and you get something back, but it, it's, it's not as if you wait to receive it, but it's just the principle, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, um, entering an elevate, elevate, elevator, you know that if you press one or two, it's going to take you to one or two. Yeah. And yeah, you come out. So it's yeah. simple like that, you know. You give, you receive. We don't, we, we don't wait to receive, but you know, it's just the basic laws of life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah, yeah. So you you, me- you mentioned your sister right now. So how how many how many siblings have you got? Two girls. Two girls. Do they do they live do they live in the UK or they they live back back home in Ghana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they live in the UK. They live with my mom. Okay, live with your mom. Okay, that, that's cool. That's cool, Nana. So Nana, if if someone's listening to this, you know, and, and they want to get in touch with Nana, you know, what is the best way to get hold of Nana? Uh, I'm on Facebook, Mr. Unique Voice. Type it in, you see, you see uh, Nana Marfo come up. Uh, I've got a logo on there, Unique Abilities uh, Limited. Uh, I'm on Snapchat, Mr. Underscore Unique Underscore Voice. Uh, uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. As Mr. Unique Voice, and last but not least, I'm on Twitter, Mr. Unique Voice. Okay. What about what about Instagram? Yeah, Instagram is Mr. Underscore Unique Underscore Voice. Okay, underscore Unique Underscore Voice. Okay, then I'll follow you. Um, for for those of you that you know listen to this and you want to, yeah, you want to get get in touch with, with Ask the Pros. So he's Ask the Pros on Instagram. You know, I'm also on Twitter. You know, I'm on Snapchat. Don't really use Snapchat that much, but I'm I'm on, I'm on Snapchat. You know, and I'm also on LinkedIn, and I'm also on Facebook as well. You know, and I it's been a it's, it's been it's been it's been a great you know great time with you. Snapchat is for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just I just want to be I just want to be across all social media, man. Just try and just pull all my stuff, you know, across all social media, you know, and yeah. trying to trying to try trying to trying trying to um spread a positive message, you know, because as you know, Nana, you know, I'm I'm trying to change that narrative of the way they see see we black people you know people from any minority you know let them try to paint yeah. a positive picture for us as well you know and and you've you've you've, you've come on the show now you know you were someone with disability you've you've come to tell tell the people and say you know what you know the fact that you're you you have a form of disability that doesn't mean that you know you can't do other stuff you know you, you can you, you can be 100 percent as well 
Yeah. You know, so it, it's all about changing yeah. changing the mindset and changing that narrative so people will see things differently and and in some way trying to trying to just you know say okay, do you know oh he 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 said that, you know, now I see it differently, you know, I will never see it that way again, you know. So hopefully you now someday yeah. you know people will people will listen to to my show, you know, listen to someone like you on my show and and um, we'll be able to, you know, we'll be able to impact people positively out there. Yeah, break, break, break more stigma. And uh, even if we manage to change 2% of people, <laughs> it's an achievement. You're, you know, Rome Rome wasn't built in a day. So yeah. you're not going to change everyone's mind. Yes, Nana. Yes, Nana. And um, uh, I want to say I'm grateful for the time, you know, and Nana, and um You've really done well for yourself, you know. You've you've really done well. You you know you've you've take you've taken the battle, you know. And I and I I I see you going to more places, you know. I'm 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 always seeing you everywhere anyway. So, you know, for me, you're celebrity. You're you're celebrity already. So, <laughs> maybe. Maybe one of maybe one of these days. Maybe one of these days I have to pay the celebrity a visit. What what do you think? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, non-celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Famous, Mr. Famous. Raise that, raise that. <laughs> hey. Mr. Famous. <laughs> yeah, Nana, nice talking to you, Nana. I really appreciate the time, man. Nice, really. thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Nana. Good.